All right, gang, it's time for the fight preview section of this episode, episode 97 of the Neutral Corner for Boxing Monthly Magazine and BoxingMonthly.com. Guys, you know, check out the magazine, of course. It's, it's in stores, it's, you can get it on the app, but also check out the website. Boxing Monthly Magazine, one of the best fight mags in the world, but the website's awesome too. A lot of great material there, go check it out. And of course, every single week, the Neutral Corner is posted up on Boxing Monthly's website on the Montero Unboxing page there on the Boxing Monthly website. So make sure you check it out. Tons of good stuff. Some of the most talented writers from all over the world. And yes, it's a UK magazine, but there are writers and contributors from all over the world for Boxing Monthly, which really, really makes it just a lot of fun. And there's so many different interesting points of view. Check it out. You won't be disappointed. But back to the fight preview. And as I mentioned earlier in this episode, um, two weeks of previews here because we're taking a one-week hiatus as I have vacation with my family. Much needed vacation with my family. Let's start Friday, October 6th here in Los Angeles at the Belasco Theater. It's another LA Fight Club from uh, Golden Boy Promotions. And of course, these are streamed live. You guys can check it out. Um, you know, put, they put these on Periscope, but they also put these on YouTube. You could go right to Ring TV, right to Ring Magazine's website, and you'll see it being streamed right there. If you know you get home Friday night from your job, crack a beer, have some food, watch some fights for free, streamed live. Why not? These cards are always fun, man. Christian Chimpa Gonzalez, who was uh, a really good-looking lightweight prospect, who was undefeated but ran into his first loss earlier this year, back in March. He was KO'd, I think, in the second round. I want to say he was dropped multiple times. Bad knockout. Uh, he's uh, his second fight back from that loss. He's going to fight on this card. He's 17-1 right now with 15 knockouts. Exciting fighter. Gets hit, willing to take one, or take two to give one. So I just have a feeling he's going to be one of those guys that's always in good exciting fights they're trying to make him a little more of a boxer now get him to slow down but when the dude gets hit he just lights up and turns into a fighter so that'll be fun he's in a lightweight eight rounder also edgar valario undefeated prospect from los angeles fun featherweight prospect he's 11 and 0 with six knockouts so he's in a, an eight rounder so be sure to check that out guys those are always a lot of fun and um, if i can get down there uh, my family's coming to town this Saturday. Uh, I will try to get down there and say hi to everybody if you guys are down there at the Belasco Theater downtown LA. All right, Saturday, October 7th in Hong Kong. Rex So, who's an undefeated Chinese fighter, 21-0, 13 knockout, super flyweight prospect. Uh, just another good fighter in that deep, talented 115-pound division. He's 30 years old, southpaw. He's going up against the most experienced uh, opponent of his career so far, uh, Japanese fighter Kohei Kono, who's 33-10 and one with 14 knockouts himself. He's a Japanese veteran, a former Titleist. So if you could find a stream of that, definitely would be worth checking out. A lot of people are excited about so. I'm telling you, we're going to get more and more Chinese fighters. Um, Zhou Ximing, not the greatest fighter in the world, but I've said it a million times. He opened up floodgates. You're going to start seeing more fighters from that part of the world in China, and it's a country of over a billion. So if people there start getting into boxing and they start producing some, some gyms with some real talent and some craft being taught there, we're going to start seeing some uh, special Chinese fighters over the next 10 to 20 years. 
Same day, October 7th in Stuttgart, Germany. It is the World Boxing Super Series once again. The Super Middleweight Tournament, returning to the Super Middleweights. Chris Eubank Jr. going up against Turkish fighter Avni Yildirim. Uh, Eubank Jr. is 25-1 with 19 knockouts. Yildirim is 16-0 with 10 knockouts himself. He fought, the Turkish fighter Yildirim fought an ancient Glenn Johnson in Miami. And he fought Marco Antonio Parabon in Mexico just in May. I think he fought Johnson in 2015. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I believe it was 2015. Other than that, he has fought absolutely nobody. So he looked good against, you know, a 1,400-year-old Glenn Johnson as a prospect, which, you know, was impressive at the, that time in his career. And he went to Mexico to fight Marco Antonio Parabon one down there. Not the easiest thing to do if you're a Turkish fighter traveling. So he, you know, look, let's give him credit for that win. But to date, hasn't really faced a murderer's row. A lot of questions about this guy. And that's really what you see in that super middleweight tournament in the World Boxing Super Series. Just more questions than answers so far, right? With a lot of these guys. Just haven't fought the tough opposition yet. And we're going to see who's for real and who's not in this tournament. That's kind of the fun. That's the silver lining in this super middleweight tournament that a lot of people were kind of down on originally, but I'm starting to warm up to it. Eubank himself hasn't exactly faced a murderer's row. He lost a split decision to Billy Joe Saunders in 2014, has fought absolutely nobody since, moved up to 168. Obviously, that fight with Saunders was at 160 at middleweight. He scored a unanimous decision win over an ancient 73-year-old Arthur Abraham in July. Abraham had trouble even making weight, and he's never had weight issues in his career. So that tells you uh, the state that he's in right now. So, look, it's not hard to outwork Arthur Abraham in a boxing match, especially at this stage. So there's a lot of questions about Eubank. He posts training videos that look amazing, where he's beating the hell out of a heavy bag. Or, you know, he has some machine that has like eight different squares on it that he punches and does all kinds of fun combinations. He looks ripped. He looks like a model. But how does that correlate to him being a fighter? I don't quite know. To date, what he's most known for is his famous father and losing a close decision to Billy Joe Saunders. So going to be interesting to see how these two fare in the ring. Look, a lot of people thought that this fight would end up in the UK. And if it would be in the UK, obviously that favors Saunders. Not just from a scoring perspective, maybe, but just being in front of his hometown fans. This is going to be in Germany. And Yildirim has fought in Germany multiple times. This will be Eubank's first time fighting there. So maybe that plays some sort of psychological factor here. I don't know. Eubank's 5'11", 72-inch reach, 28 years old. Yildirim's 5'11", 70-inch reach, 26 years old. So these guys match up very, very well. It's going to be quite interesting to see what develops in this fight. Uh, I'm actually... Curious. I'll definitely be checking this one out. I might be a little tipsy because I'll be with my family hanging out, but I'll be streaming this one and checking it out just for fun. Same day in Manchester, Anthony Krola is fighting Ricky Burns, a 12-round lightweight fight. Krola's coming off two straight losses to Jorge Linares. Burns is coming off that whitewash decision loss to Julius Ndongo. So looking how, at how much Linares just struggled in his last fight, and looking at how badly Julius Ndongo is blown out against Terrence Crawford, you know, that kind of tells you the level these two guys, Anthony Crawler and Ricky Burns, are at. 
They're at that domestic contender type of level. Not quite elite fighters, but they're tough guys who give a great, great effort. And they've been in some fun fights. In style-wise, just everything coming into this fight, you, you got to expect fireworks here. I think this one is going to be a lot of fun. Crowlow 31-6-3 with 13 KOs. Burns 41-6-1 with 14 KOs. And um, I think, let's see, who's moving up in weight here? I think that Krola, last fight was at 135. I believe, don't quote me, I might be wrong here, but I believe this will be at 140, although it's listed as a lightweight fight. So I don't know if Burns is coming down in weight or if Krola's moving up. Um, I honestly, on my notes here, I forgot to check on that. So I don't know. You guys let me know. Either way, it doesn't really matter what damn weight it's at. Considering where these guys are at in their career, both coming off losses, both want to get back in the win column. There's a domestic rivalry there. Style-wise, I think they match up well. This one's going to be fun. Now in London, Andrew Selby, younger brother of Lee Selby, who's 9-0, flyweight prospect with five knockouts. He's headlining a card going up against Mexican Maximino Flores in a 12-round flyweight fight. Selby, again, younger brother of Lee, who knows a little something about boxing, pretty damn good boxer himself. Andrew was in the World Series of Boxing between 2012 and 2015. Nice, solid amateur career. Be interesting to see what he has in this fight. Now, that's all the action this coming weekend. Let's skip forward another week to Saturday, October 14th, where we have a lot of action going on both sides of the pond. Starting at Wembley Arena in London, George Groves, Jamie Cox. World Boxing Super Series Super Middleweight Tournament. Groves, on paper, is heavily favored in this fight, but I don't know. Maybe Cox will show us something. Groves is 28-3 with 19 knockouts, a fan favorite. He's been in there with some tough, tough fighters, some good elite-level opposition. Won some, lost some, but you know he, he's definitely a guy who's known, and he's going to have, I think, the home crowd behind him there in London. Uh, Jamie Cox, 24-0, 13 knockouts. Cox is 5'11", southpaw, 31 years old, kind of advanced to be a prospect, right? You don't think 31 years old and prospect would normally go together. But this, this guy was originally with Frank Warren and had some legal troubles in the past and, and didn't fight for a while. Ended up signing with Eddie Hearn this year. Uh, has fought absolutely nobody as a pro yet. Nobody. So, again... We just don't know what he has against top-level opposition. I wouldn't necessarily call George Groves an elite-level fighter, but he's a top-level, professional, experienced, battle-tested fighter. And we just don't know how Jamie Cox is going to respond against somebody like that. I talked before about Avni Yildirim, the, the Turkish fighter going up against Chris Eubank. Having fought very limited opposition, Jamie Cox hasn't even fought the guys he's fought. He's fought absolutely nobody. He fought four, two four-rounders in July, I think after signing with Hearn. Just two four-rounders, just to get busy, make weight, get some, uh, get some rounds in. I don't even know if he fought at 168 exactly in those fights. Might have been a catchweight. But so that got him busy, I guess. So he's been in the ring moving around, but he's making a, a leap in opposition here against Groves. Now, Groves is 5'11", same height as Cox, but he's an orthodox. So this is going to be a southpaw or an orthodox. What's crazy is you think of Groves and you think he's this veteran who's been along forever, right? And he's 
he just looks older than he is. And I, I think some of it is because of his style and some of the tough fights he's been in against or tough fight, tough opposition he's been in against. He's younger. He's the younger guy in this fight. He's 29 years old. Most known for the two losses to Carl Frotch. The first one was a, you know, close or controversial the way it ended, some people felt. But it was very definitive in the rematch. He's also well known for having a close, controversial split decision loss to Badu Jack in 2015. A lot of people felt that he beat Badu Jack. And considering what Badu Jack has gone on to do since, I think that's a pretty impressive uh, performance from Groves. He beat Fedor Chudinov for the WBA Super Middleweight title in May, and this is the first defense of that title. Obviously, you know, Groves and Chudinov shouldn't have been fighting for a title, but it was the WBA, and you all know what I think about the WBA and their titles. So in that one, I favor Groves just because of his experience, but maybe the fresher, more hungry Jamie Cox shows us something. You know, he did have an amateur career. He does have a pedigree there. Maybe he's going to show us something to show that he's a player at super middleweight. That's going to happen in one of these fights, one of these fights in the super middleweight tournament. We're going to see somebody grow up in front of our eyes. And maybe this is the one. We'll find out. Now, here in Los Angeles at StubHub Center, and it's going to be aired on Fox, Abner Mares and Leo Santa Cruz are fighting uh, not against each other which is what a lot of people wanted to see. A lot of people wanted to see them rematch. They both fought a couple years ago in one of the better fights, one of the better events that PBC has put on so far. But they're going up against, uh, I don't want to disrespect these opponents, but they're going up against uh, showcase fights, showcase opponents, let's put it that way. Abner Maris is going up against Andres Gutierrez to defend his WBA featherweight title. Gutierrez has mostly fought in Mexico, uh, had a close majority decision loss to Christian Mahares last year in Cancun. Gutierrez is taller, longer, younger, but it's his first fight of 2017. Uh, for Mahares, he had that mixed decision, or I'm sorry, majority decision loss to Leo Santa Cruz in that first fight back in 2015. That was at Staples Center downtown LA. And he had a split decision win over Jesus Cuellar last December at the Galen Center. That's on the University of Southern California campus. I was ringside for all these fights. This is also his first fight of 2017. So both of these guys, Maris and Gutierrez, making their 2017 debut. And I actually think this is the closer matchup of the two on this card. Um, Maris is 32, 30 wins, two losses, one draw, 15 knockouts. Gutierrez, 35, one and one with 25 knockouts. You got to favor Maris, but maybe Gutierrez will show us something. He's had a couple close fights, but Maris, I think, is the more powerful uh, puncher uh, just based on who he's fought. Not necessarily always getting the stoppages, but he just seems to have heavier hands and move people back with his shots more, at least more than the very little I've seen of Gutierrez. Maybe I'll be proven wrong with that. In the co-main, Leo Santa Cruz uh, going up against Chris Avalos, or maybe this is the main event, honestly. Yeah, I think this might be actually the main event. Leo Santa Cruz defending his WBA super featherweight title against Chris Avalos. So Maris is fighting for his, or defending his WBA regular featherweight title Leo Santa Cruz, WBA super featherweight title. Again, 
You know what I think about the WBA. So Avalos lost three of his last five. It was dropped against uh, Miguel Flores in his last fight in July, a fight that he won by retirement after five rounds. I think uh, Flores was injured. I can't remember off the top of my head. And for Leo Santa Cruz, this is his first fight since January where he beat Carl Frampton in a rematch with a majority decision win. So Santa Cruz is 33-1-1 with 18 knockouts. Avalos is 27-5 with 20 knockouts. Again, on paper, it looks like Avalos is the harder hitter, more knockouts per fight. But Santa Cruz, uh, volume puncher, and showed in his last fight against Frampton, he can box a little when he wants to, work behind that jab and use his length. He's tall for that division. Question is, is Leo going to revert to the old Leo and just throw a bunch of punches and make a dogfight out of it? Or is he going to stick and move, box more, and maybe set up Avalos for a knockout? As I mentioned, he's been down. Uh, he's been out before. He's lost three of his last five. So I favor Santa Cruz big in his fight. I favor Abdomari slightly in his fight. This is at the right venue. This is at StubHub Center. But there is zero buzz in Los Angeles for this fight. No one is talking about it. And it's because these two are supposed to be fighting each other. Also because they were supposedly going to fight each other earlier in the year, but the fight kept getting pushed back. There's been all these complications. Then they were just going to fight like this on two separate fights to build up their rematch. And that got pushed back a few times to this date. So this, this has just been so grossly mishandled. Leo Santa Cruz should be fighting Carl Frampton over in, uh, in the UK right now. He shouldn't be, or Northern Ireland. This fight shouldn't even be happening. So either you do the rubber match with Frampton or you do the rematch with Maris. That's what should be happening right now. Not this, not this. And, you know, guys, this fight is at StubHub, my favorite venue to go see fights at. Not that far from where I live in Koreatown, Los Angeles, uh, maybe 10 miles south. I'm not going to go because there's no reason to. You know, these two shouldn't be rewarded for, for not doing what they should be doing. And their management, their advisor, if you will, not handling this situation very well. So let's go over to the East Coast, Barclays Center, Brooklyn on Showtime. Great triple header from the junior middleweight division that's being put on by Heyman. So Heyman PBC putting on a really, really bad card on Fox, which is exposed to millions and millions of people. A fight that should be a rematch. You know, we should be seeing Marius and Santa Cruz fighting each other again. Or maybe Santa Cruz fighting Frampton and Marius fighting another top fighter in the division in the co-main. That's what should be happening. It's not. That's what you're getting on Fox. And then a premium channel that goes in significantly less homes that you have to pay for. You're getting your money's worth at least with this one. So let's talk about all three of these fights. Um, Jared Hurd going up against Austin Trout, defending his IBF junior middleweight title. Uh, I think for me, on paper, this might be the most, um, this might be the most one-sided fight. I know a lot of people think this is going to be really, really competitive. Uh, for her, this is the first defense of the vacant title he won against Tony Harrison, who's actually making his comeback on this card, on the undercard, uh, back in February. Where, you know, look, when he was fighting Harrison, he was being thoroughly outboxed for the first four or five rounds. And then just his pressure and everything, his tenacity, his volume punching and all that took over. And you just slowly, methodically beat Harrison down. 
Austin Trout. This is his first bout since his unanimous decision loss to Jamal Charlo last May. And Trout is very, very experienced. He's been in there with some very, very good fighters. But he hasn't fought in over a year. He's getting a little long in the tooth. And let's be honest, he's most well-known, Trout is, for beating Miguel Cotto back in 2012. Guys, that was five years ago. Yes, he fought Canelo, fought him very tough, close and competitive, but hasn't done a whole lot since then, right? And against Charlo, uh, hung tough and everything, and I think he'll be able to do that against Hurd. He maybe won three rounds against Charlo when they fought last May. That's pretty much what I expect here. I expect him to win three or four rounds, probably early on in the fight, where his experience and everything is going to see uh, him getting the better of the exchanges, making Hurd miss, maybe blocking a lot of his work. But I just think he's going to be worn down over the course of the fight. Hurd is six foot one, 76 inch reach, just huge for this division. Uh, 27 years old, he went pro in 2012. Trout is five foot nine. 72 inch reach. He's pretty much the typical size for a junior middleweight. Uh, 32 years old, went pro in 2005. So he's been around a lot longer. Doesn't have a crazy amount of fights. He's only got 33 pro fights for having been a pro for 12 years. But he's been around all those training camps, all those fights, all those rounds. And I just think he's a little more worn and a little more rusty than Hurd. And I just like youth in this fight. I think youth is going to win out. It's not going to look exactly like the Harrison fight, but it's going to somewhat resemble it in that Trout wins some early rounds and just gets outworked down the stretch. Now, Jermel Charlo going up against Erickson Lubin defending his WBC version of the Junior Manila title. Uh, Charlo's 29-0 with 14 knockouts, generally considered to be the weaker of the Charlo brothers. Most people think that Jermall is the one who has a little more star quality. Erickson Lubin, interesting prospect. Only 22 years old. 18-0 with 13 knockouts, making a quantum leap in opposition, right? He just hasn't fought anybody with the skills and the strength and the power that Charlo has. Even though Jermall doesn't hit as hard and isn't quite as explosive and consistent as his brother Jermall. For Jermel Charlo, this will be the second defense of the vacant WBC title he won against John Jackson last May. Um, you know, he hasn't faced a murderer's row of opposition either, but he's in his physical prime. He's 27 years old, 5'11", 73-inch reach, orthodox fighter, went pro in 2007. For a guy who's been pro for 10 years, uh, you know, he hasn't been quite as busy as you would like, but he's been built up. Con you know, considering how a lot of Al Heyman fighters are built up and they're not built up very well, I think the Charlos have been built up pretty damn good. And um, Lubin, 5'9", 74-inch reach. He is a southpaw, but he went pro in 2013, man. He's been a pro, I think, less than four full years or maybe just over four years now. And... We're, this is kind of like the Super Middleweight Tournament, World Boxing Super Series I was talking about earlier, some of those guys. Some of them look awesome. They look great, but they just haven't faced anybody yet. And for Lubin, we're going to find out what's up here. I find it very, very interesting that Al Heyman, who is very, very big on protecting his fighters and building them up a certain way, 
is putting Charlo in there against Lubin. And some people are suggesting that since Charlo is generally considered the weaker of the two Charlo brothers, or I'm sorry, Jermel is seen as the weaker of the two, maybe Uncle Al sees something in Lubin and is you know putting him in there, taking the risk to see if Lubin rises to the occasion and he becomes the new guy. I don't know. But I'm interested in this fight. Definitely. I'm actually most interested in this fight of all three fights on the card. But um, I'm going to go with Charlo. You got to favor him. We could see him blow out Lubin. Who knows? But man, what if Lubin shows us something? What if he shows us something special and rises to the occasion and pulls out a win here? That's why they fight the damn fights. Now, in the other fight, the third one, Irislandi Lara going up against Terrell Goucher. Lara is 24-2-2 with 14 knockouts. Goucher is 20-0, nine knockouts. This is the defense of Lara's WBA Super Junior Middleweight title. The WBA and their various titles. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. So Lara, getting a little old in the tooth himself, man. Um, 34 years old. He's Cuban, so maybe he's 44. We don't know, but they list him at 34. Five foot nine, 74 inch reach, southpaw. Went pro in 2008, so he's coming up on 10 years as a pro himself. Goucher, for a guy with only 20 fights, he's kind of aged himself, a 30-year-old prospect. 30 years old, 5'10", 72-inch reach. He's an orthodox fighter, went pro in 2012. We've seen Goucher look pretty good sometimes. We've seen him look pretty bad sometimes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he could do against Lara. If this fight took place two, three years ago, and you know, Goucher was at this point in his career, obviously two, three years ago, he was you know just a pup. I'm saying the Lara of two or three years ago in this matchup, you'd favor Lara by whitewash. But at this point, Lara's angles aren't as neat. His footwork isn't as neat and as crisp as it has been in years past. He's looked a little slowed, and he's relied more on power in some of his more recent performances which is what you see from guys who were movers early on in their careers who can't rely on the movement the same way anymore. They start sitting down more and relying on power. Well, Goucher has shown that given the right opportunity, the right opening, he can crack a little bit. If you give him the shot, he can land something. He can hurt. If he does land something clean, he can hurt you with it. So could, could Lara get stuck at some point in this fight, get caught slipping and get caught by Goucher. Uh, it's possible. I don't see it happening though. Laura last fought Yuri Foreman in January and he only had one fight in 2016. So he hasn't been very, very active. And again, that's why I say been slowing down a bit. And I don't know if they're preserving him or just his management, his advisor just hasn't been able to get most of his guys more than one fight a year. So, you know, has that inactivity helped him? Has it hurt him? We'll find out. This will be the fifth defense of this, of this WBA title that he won back in 2014 against Ishay Smith. Remember that? Ooh. <laughs> Goucher is 2012 Olympian. Uh, he began boxing at age 12, solid amateur background, mostly at the domestic level, but a solid amateur career. World Boxing or World Series of Boxing he fought in uh, from 2010 to 2012, but he's making a huge leap in opposition himself. So what you have here is three young fighters, Terrell Goucher, Erickson Lubin, and a titleist, Jarrett Hurd, 
all three of them making massive leaps in opposition on this card. I like it. We need more of this. This top to bottom might be the best card in PBC history. That being said, it's really not PBC because it's on Showtime. These fights that go to Showtime, they're being paid for. So this really isn't a premier boxing champions card, but it is an Al Heyman card. So I'll give Uncle Al some credit for putting together a very nice triple header. I hope the fights turn out to be as good as they look on paper. I think they will be. I think that this is going to be a good night of boxing.